amor of God, but the whole armor of God. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I, I have it misprinted in my notes, so I thought that was funny on the way to church. I'm like, oh, the whole amor of God. <laughs> uh, all right, Ephesians chapter 6. Stand with me if you would. Uh, stand with me for a little bit. Ephesians 6, stretch those legs. All right, Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, let's go to verse number 10. We're talking about the whole armor of God. We're talking about spiritual warfare and the reality of it and how you can be prepared and how you can be uh, 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 dressed appropriately. You ever gone somewhere and you realize, oh, I'm not dressed for the occasion. Yeah. Here gone, maybe someone invited you to a church on a Sunday morning and I'm not knocking at whatever, but a lot of churches don't dress up on Sunday mornings and you're all dressed up and you go and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm the only person here dressed like this, right? Or you go to a, a company event and everyone told you casual, and you get there, and everyone's wearing, you know, nice cocktail attire, and you're like, what in the world? What's going on here? Uh, you want to be dressed appropriately for the event. And let me just tell you, when it comes to, to spiritual battles in your life, you, it's not only a matter of, I, f- I want to feel good about this. It's, I need this so I can survive spiritually, all right? Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 6. Look, if you would, at verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm going to take a little bit of a moment to explain uh, what some of these things are in verse 12. Look at verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Uh, you're going to notice he talks about taking and putting on. And so what that shows me is this, uh, it's not automatic. I know we've talked about that before, but I want to say it again. Uh, you know, I, I jokingly uh, threw something online, and it was some guy holding up a sign that just says, uh, 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 it's not spiritual attacks, it's just you're making bad choices. Right. All right? right? In other words, like sometimes, sometimes we do things, and we, we, make our, we put ourselves in the wrong place at the wrong time. You put yourself in the wrong spot, you make yourself vulnerable against the enemy. And as a Christian, you can't afford to do that. Uh, what may seem like one uh, time away from the Word of God, one time not in your Bible, one time not witnessing when God's urging you to do that, one time not coming to church, one time whatever, turns into two, turns into three. Before you know it, man, you're in the far country. And the devil has you isolated by yourself. And, and America, the world, I'll say this right now, the world is filled with Christians. They're born again, but they're going to be in heaven just like you and me, and they're out of church, and they're out of their Bible. They're out all the way. You say, what happened? One thing at a time. And they weren't prepared spiritually to take on this battle. Look, if you would, at verse number 13, wherefore take the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about how truth holds everything up and how you need to guard your heart, and that's what that breastplate is for. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Your feet should be ready to go with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look, I, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I, 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 know of, I know of a church that did like this whole like foot washing thing. God bless you for doing that. We're not going to do that here. I don't want to see your feet, all right? And you don't want to see mine either, all right? But, but there's a lesson in John 13 in regards to being able to wash those feet. One of, the, one of the lessons is this. How beautiful are the feet of them which preach the gospel? And God looks at those dirty, nasty, you know, gross-looking things on the bottom of your body, and he goes, man, that's beautiful to me because of where you're going with them. Christian, can I ask you a question? How much of your life is spent intentionally? Go- Listen, 
You may go, well, preacher, I've got the kids and I've got to go to the grocery store. I've got to do this. I don't have time to just go on a street corner on Saturday night and preach for an hour and a half. You know, you don't have to do that. You know, you can talk to someone at the register at King Supers. Do you know that we had a couple come to our church and were members from the, in this church for years because my wife went through the drive-thru at a bank one day and gave someone a gospel track and they came to church. And for years, I was upset because it was like 10 to 1. I'd invite everyone. No one would come for me. They all came for my wife. But, but, but all joking aside, you know what's amazing about this? You, wherever you go, the gospel should go with you. Amen. Your feet shod, prepared with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking, look, look what he says here in verse 16, above all. That's like, hey, pay attention. This matters. <laughs> above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. If there's any question about who this wicked one is, you can run a cross-reference to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 where it talks about the wicked one in reference to the devil himself. All right, The devil has some darts for you. You realize you have a personal enemy. He's seeking whom he may devour. And there are things he's designed for your life, and he's throwing them. And for those who think the devil's just a guy in a red pajama suit, you are sorely mistaken. Oftentimes he shows up in a suit with the Bible. And some of you are like, there he is right there in front of us. Not me, all right? But, but, but you understand what I'm saying. He knows how to cover. He knows how to deceive. And he's got things, he, he throws them one dart at a time. And you, if you don't have that shield up, you're going to get hit. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Brother Joe, if you'd ask God's blessing on it. Yeah. Amen. Father, I pray that you would speak to us through us as Father. Um, Lord, I look at Lord, just the messages over the last uh, year or so on Wednesday nights and see their spiritual warfare and they're trying to get us to see the political system right. There's just a lot of people in here uh, that are getting a lot done for you and that are progressing and that are uh, taking steps forward in their life. And Lord, we know that uh, anytime we try to serve you, live for you, or try to up some of the notches, the devil ups some of the notches. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. Isn't it good to know you're on the winning side? Man, if you're not a born-again believer, I'm going to tell you right now, you're on the losing side. But here's the good news. God wants to bring you on his side for free. Amen. You ever remember being a kid playing dodgeball? Now, look, if you were past the 90s, you know, I don't even know if they do that in school anymore. Do they do dodgeball in school anymore? All right. Listen, I, I... I know when I was a kid, they did dodgeball. Listen, I was not very athletic as a child. I know some of you are like, oh, imagine that. Uh, I was not very athletic as a child. I remember being, you know, not always picked on the, the, the good team, you know, and just getting pelted, man. And, and I'll tell you, dodgeball is good for young men. They need dodgeball in their life to teach them some humility, all right? 
But, I mean, you, you ever get up there and you're like, man, we are going to lose. I know we're going to lose. This is going to hurt. Why am I alive, right? And, and yet, listen, when it comes to the Christian life, you can look at the team and go, it doesn't matter what's going on. I know in the end that I win. Amen. I know the end of the story. Thank God for that. And if someone's watching online or, or someone's listening to this and you don't know where you're going when you die, let me just say this right now. You need to make sure you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Yeah. He is the captain of our salvation. Yeah. He's the one that leads our team. We will win in the end. Now, here's the thing about any good movie. Any, any good movie has a, the good guy, the bad guy. And you know this. If it was as simple as good guy shows up and kills bad guy, movie's over. Nobody wants to see that. They want to see the bad guy comes back, and the bad guy's almost there, and the bad guy assimil assimilates a team, and he's, he's going to win. And it looks like the good guy, there's no way he can come back. And at the very last minute, the good guy comes back, and he went. That's literally the plot from the Bible. Like, that's literally Revelation chapter number 19. Now, look, there's going to be a physical battle someday, but between now and then, it's spiritual in nature. Listen, when the Lord showed up, when he came down, he uh, 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 created Adam in the garden. And the Bible says he offered him a kingdom. He made Adam a king over creation. He had him uh, name all the animals and all that. Adam sins. So you know what happens? That kingdom goes back to God. And then God says, okay, Abraham, on the backside of nowhere, I'm going to call you out. I'm going to ask you to follow me. And if you follow me, I'll make a great nation out of you. Abraham becomes the father of what today is the nation of Israel. They're God's chosen nation. And so what God does is God tells him, I'm going I'm to bring a, I'm, I'll make you a royal uh, a priesthood and a holy nation. And he calls them a kingdom. So you know what God does? He goes, okay, Adam failed and Noah failed. I'm going to offer this to my nation. And of course, we know how that ends up. They also turn their back on God because this, you need to understand this. When God offered a physical kingdom to a physical nation, he's also a spirit. They that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And because they didn't want that, you see that evident at the, at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. The Lord says, okay, I'll take that physical kingdom and I'm going to bring it right back up. It is now in my hands, in the hands of my son, Jesus Christ. He left us with a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God, and we're in it right now. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of heaven. They're different. Spiritual nature, that's where we're at right now. When we come back, we'll establish a physical kingdom. But right now, it is a spiritual kingdom with spiritual blessings. God did not promise me land. Man, anyone that thinks you replace Israel, then, then please show me all the land you're supposed to have. If you read your Old Testament, you'll see that David and Abraham and all these great men of faith, oftentimes they were rich. You ever notice that? And that's why the disciples, when, they, when the Lord tells the disciples, hey, it'll be harder for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to be saved. They go, then how can anyone be saved? You say, why was that re their response? Because in the Old Testament, that's how it worked. If you were a righteous person, you had God's blessings on your life. Thus, the story of Job. Where Job's going, I thought I was following God. I thought I was doing right. Why is this bad stuff happening to me? Why do the righteous suffer? And that, that's a great question. And God answers that in that book. But the idea is this. We are in a spiritual kingdom with a spiritual priesthood and spiritual sacrifices and spiritual blessings waiting for the Lord to take us out of here. That's our next major event. And with the way things are going overseas, I'd say, Lord, anytime now, anytime now. All right. Now, now all, all that said, between now and then, You've got spiritual battles going on in your life. And the temptation is for you to look at everything through physical eyes. 
The temptation is for you to look at things that you can see and taste and smell and, and touch and, and hear and go, okay, that's real. And if it doesn't fit in those five, then I can't, it's not there. Let me just say this. Over in Hebrews, it says the things that were made, they were made by things that were not seen. Yeah. Namely God. <laughs> and, and so you know what that is? That takes faith for you to understand that. So if you're going to fight a spiritual battle against things you can't see, with a savior you've never met. Are you with me so far? And you're part of a kingdom that you can't see. Listen, we see manifestations of it in the local church. We see the fruit of it. We see some things going on in people's lives, but I can't see all the spiritual warfare. I know it's there. You say, why? Because the book says it's there. And I'll tell you what, guys, I, I know what it's like in business. You can talk about any number of things. You can talk about diversity, equity, inclusion. You can talk about a, a human resource practices. You can talk about payroll methodology. You can talk about all that stuff, and nothing happens. You talk about Jesus Christ, something gets real weird in the room. You say, what is that? There's a spiritual battle that goes on. And, and so you need to understand, in order to win that, you need to have faith in order to be able to do that. Uh, listen, the Lord is the author of our faith, is he not? Well, you need to understand there are principalities and powers that you're fighting against. Let, let's look at Colossians chapter number one. Look at Colossians one. It's some Bible study to kind of uh, understand. So you understand what it is you are up against. Uh, Colossians chapter one. When you read principalities and powers, we need to define what that actually means. All right. We understand that the devil's our enemy. We get that. But 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 just like God has a spiritual kingdom that is a righteous kingdom that you enter through the second birth. The devil imitates everything God does. All right, listen, uh, over in Proverbs, you've got a wise woman and she's clothed uh, a certain way and you've got a prudent woman and she's clothed a certain way and then you've got a horse woman. I didn't write the book. I'm not being mean. It's what the Bible says. And the horse woman acts a certain way, talks a certain way, looks a certain way. You say, what is that? It's the, the counterfeit to what God says is right. The devil does that all throughout history and all throughout the Bible. So you know what God does? He goes, okay, I'm going to have principalities and powers that are spiritual nature that I'm going to ordain. And the devil goes, okay, if God's going to do that after the devil fell, he goes, I'll do it too. Uh, look at Colossians chapter number one. This is what you're up against. Colossians chapter one, you're up against an enemy you can't see. Now, I'm not trying to trivialize it, but I want to use an illustration and say this, uh, the, the old saying was never, uh, Western society, Western civilization should never go into a major land war on mainland Asia. It's, if you look at history, it's never gone well. For any nation that's gone into, into battle in mainland, it's, historically, it's never gone well. So, so in the 60s and 70s, we went to Vietnam. Now, let me just say this right now. Uh, I am, I was, my dad was one of those men that went. I'm thankful and I honor those veterans that went. All right, and you ought to as well. That said, they were up against a real uh, a tough enemy. You say, why? They couldn't always see who they were fighting. The people there had a better understanding of the layout of the land than we did. You understand something? When you get saved, I told you to go to Colossians 1. Bear, bear with me. I'm sorry, guys. A little bit of jet lag. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. When you get saved, well, I'll come back to Colossians 1 in a moment. When you get saved, you know why it's so hard to fight the right battles? You know why it's so hard sometimes to, to follow the Spirit of God? Because literally, you, you, are, you are now being trained by the Spirit of God to go against the very Spirit that you used to follow. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 2 and look at verse number 1. All right, you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. Is that where we're at? All right, well, look at, look at what he says there in verse number 1 and 2. Talking about the Spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience. 
You know what that is? That, that's the spirit that was in you. <laughs> you followed that spirit. That was the one that, that led you before you were saved. And then you get saved. It's like the Spirit of God's going, no, let's go this way. And you're going, but that doesn't feel, watch it, wait for it, natural. What, what feels natural is to follow my senses, not to follow faith. What feels natural is to follow my feelings. What feels natural is what I call Disney princess theology. Just follow your heart and everything will be okay, right? That's bad advice, all right? I mean, it works out in the, in the cartoon movies, I get it, but it doesn't work out in life. Right. Have you ever, come on, let me get it, don't get silent on me now. Have you ever thought to yourself, I know I'm right, this is the direction I should go, and then five years later I'm like, what an idiot. Yeah. Right? And you thank God for the patience and grace of God and the, and the fact that he teaches us through our own foolishness. Uh, but, but, but here's what I'm trying to get at. You get saved, and now the spirit you're supposed to follow is in direct opposition to the spirit that you followed for years in your life. And by the way, the spirit that still wants your attention. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Look, if you would, at verse number 16. Colossians 1, verse number 16. And notice here, as we talk about principalities and powers, if you want to learn the Bible, one of the greatest ways to do it is by comparing spiritual things with spiritual, comparing scripture with scripture. And, and over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it talks about the fact that uh, the, 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 the words of God, the things of God are inspired by the Spirit of God. Unless you have the Spirit of God inside, you can't know them. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them, because they, the things of God, are spiritually discerned. And so until you have the Spirit of God inside of you, until you're willing to submit to the Spirit of God, the things of the Bible aren't going to make sense. All right, so, so if, if that's true, then as it relates to this, the best way for me to learn the Bible is to compare the Bible with the Bible, <laughs> not the Bible with YouTube, or the Bible with Snapchat, or the Bible with, I'm sorry, not Snapchat, wrong media platform, TikTok. You can't, let, me, let me get this statement right now. You cannot learn the Bible on TikTok. Okay, you can't do it. It's not long enough. Listen, we go through an hour or whatever it is. I love Joe's prayer, by the way. He said, Lord, for the next hour or so, I live in the land of or so. Okay, that's where I will plant my flag, in the land of Orso. Uh, but but we, we're together for an hour or so on a Wednesday or on a Sunday morning. And there's still, after all that, there's still questions. There's still, well, what about this? How in the world are you going to learn theology and doctrine through TikTok? Right. You might get a, a cute saying out of it. You might get something that gets you to think, but you're not going to learn the Bible that way. It's not intended to be that. All right, so, so when you come to the Word of God, you go, let's compare this verse with this verse with this verse. I'm going to encourage you to do something else tonight. If you are taking this as school, as a study, bring a pen, bring a notebook, or maybe you highlight some things in your Bible. So you go, okay, I'm going to write the reference to this verse in the parallel of my margin over here. So when I go over here, I write the next verse. You say, why? That's how you get a chain reference in your Bible. Look at Colossians 1, verse number 16. Colossians 1, verse 16. For by him, that's Jesus Christ, but by him were all things created, not evolved, they were created, that are in heaven and that are in earth. All right? That, that's the spiritual realm, the eternal realm, and the carnal, or the terrestrial, as Paul says, realm, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities, or look at that, powers. Now, now notice he talks about there's principalities and powers in heavenly places as well as on earth. All right, look at Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians chapter 2. Understand this. Uh, we'll go to Ephesians in a moment, but look at Colossians 2. I understand this, that, that God is the one that puts structure and authority 
uh, into place here on this earth. God is, the one, God is a God of order and structure. And, and I was talking to Caleb about this before church. Uh, the, the, the kind of uh, the mentality, I think, sometimes with Bible believers, because let's be honest, if you believe the Bible literally, you're going to be kind of a weirdo by the world standards. And you're going to kind of know it, all right? You're going to be kind of an outsider. And so as an outsider, as a Bible believer, you kind of go, well, I get used to being an outsider, so I don't need any structure. I'm just going to do whatever I want. That's not biblical, guys. You ever read the Old Testament and God's like, I want you to lay the wood in this order? And you're like, who cares? You know who does care? God. And he's like, I want this sacrifice for this. And oh, I want a turtle dove for this. And I want to go. I'm like, come on. What is that? Ever read through Leviticus? Don't look at me like you've never done this before. And you've ever asked God, why did you care about any of this? All right. God, if nothing else, it shows you that God's got a structure. God's a God of order. And so God puts order into place, not just on the earth, but also in the spiritual realm as well. So the devil sees it and he goes, I want that. Isaiah 14, I will be like the most high. So the devil with those angels that fell with him, those sons of God that fell with him, he goes, I'll have a hierarchy as well. I look at Colossians chapter 2, look if you would at verse number 15. Uh, I'm sorry, go to verse 14. Blotting out, this is Jesus Christ, what he did for us on the cross, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to, I love that verse, nailing it to his cross. So thankful for that. And have, now watch this. When he did this, look what it says. And having spoiled what? When it says he spoiled them, you know what that means? He beat them. All right? It spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. In other words, there was stuff spiritually going on at the resurrection of Jesus Christ that nobody saw. It was going on in the spiritual realm. And as he died and submitted to God's plan and was obedient to that, and he was buried, the Bible says the bulls of Bashan, Psalms, the bulls of Bashan comes to me. Those are spiritual beings that were swirling around the Lord at his cross and saying, you know what I think they were doing? I think they were the ones inspiring those humans that said, if thou be the Son of God, if thou be the Son of God, casting those darts of doubt into the mind of Jesus Christ. But he submitted to God's plan all the way. Amen. So you know what he did? He beat him. <laughs> And he didn't just beat him at the cross, he beat him at the resurrection. And he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Look at Ephesians chapter number 3. So what we see is this. There are, there are heavenly principalities and powers, like, like government, if you will, a hierarchy. That's why you have Michael the archangel over the prince of Israel, right? And, and you see that on earth as well, God puts government into place. All right, whether you like it or not, whether you voted for the people or not, uh, God is the one that allows those things to take place. And let me just tell you this, when you burn the whole thing down, you're left with nothing but anarchy and rebellion, you're in trouble. All right, and so, and so it's the grace of God, we haven't seen that here. Uh, but, but what I'm getting at is this, the right position for a believer is Romans chapter 13, not have time to go into it all tonight, but read that sometime when you have a chance. Uh, one time I had a friend of mine that had bumper, Christian, uh, bumper stickers all over his car. And he's driving through, te- had to be Texas, right? Driving through Texas, going 90 through a 65. And he get, you know who I'm talking about. He gets pulled over, and a uh, real nervous guy anyways. He gets pulled over, and he's sweating, you know, before the cop even gets there. License and registration. He gives him his license registration. The guy goes, looks at his car, he goes, you like the Bible? Oh, uh, yes, sir. He goes, takes his sunglasses off. You ever read Romans 13? <laughs> Now, if you don't, if you don't laugh, you know what it says. Romans 13 is about submitting to government and the ordinances of the government, like speed limits, right? Uh, the, the idea is, as a believer, that's something that's right, right? Because God put that in place. Uh, but look at, look at uh, Ephesians uh, chapter number 3. 
And notice that the devil wants to imitate what God put in place. Look at Ephesians 3, look at verse number 10. To the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. That's something that God put into place. And you read about different principalities and powers on the earth. You read about them in heaven. And then you read about spiritual, listen to me, spiritual wickedness in high places. God put the stuff in order here and here. It's right in the middle that you get in trouble. You say, what's up there? Spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where the devil likes to play around. Uh, you ever notice in the Old Testament, I don't kind of go through all the references, but there's one in, in 1 Kings chapter 3, I think it's in verse number 3, if I'm not mistaken, where it says that Solomon uh, did, uh, took away certain things, how be it, they still worshipped in the high places. And that was something that God always told his nation Israel not to do. Why? Because all the heathen nations, you know what to do? You go to China, you see structures like this. You go to South America, uh, uh, the, uh, the Incas, you see structures like this. Uh, you go to Egypt, you see structures like this. Why? They all believe that by building those structures, they were getting closer to the deity that was up there. And God says, that's not how it works with me. Uh, Tower of Babel, he crushed the whole, he crashed the whole party. All right? If you're going to come to God, you're going to come to him spiritually, not just through physical means. All right, now, the, the idea is this. The principalities and powers that we're fighting against, they're, they're these things right here, spiritual wickedness in high places. And Daniel, for sake of time, I won't go there. If you want the references, Daniel 10, 13, Daniel 12, 1, talks about the prince of Persia and Michael, the archangel of Israel that stands against him on behalf of Daniel's prayer. All right, you say, what, is it, what does it show you? Well, what it shows you is this. Uh, you are against a personal enemy, a real enemy, an invisible enemy. And what the devil does in your life is he throws darts. Let me tell you right now, most Christians I know, when they get out of serving God, it's not just one thing that happens to them. It's usually all these little things. Someone says something. You have a thought that gets planted in your mind. You have a situation that you go, well, if God was real, why did this happen? And just one dart at a time, eventually you start bleeding out. And if you're not careful, you find yourself on the backside of nowhere going, where's God in my life? See, that's what the devil wants. I, I, I want to I talk about the, the utilization of the shield of faith. Let me tell you about a young man named Absalom. Uh, Absalom was the son of David. And Absalom's in my mind, obviously he's a great picture of the Antichrist. That's a doctrinal study for another time. Uh, his name means father of peace, and we know that he's uh, nothing of the sort. Uh, he was all about himself. Uh, but one thing you learn about Absalom is this. He's also a great picture of the flesh. Absalom knows how to get what Absalom wants. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, here's how kind of his story starts. His mother is a, a Gentile. Her father is a king. So he kind of comes into this from both sides. He's got royalty on both sides. He kind of has a mentality of entitlement. Like the world owes me something. Dad owes me something. The kingdom owes me something. And you say, what is that? That's flesh. When you walk in a room, you go, who's going to notice me? That's flesh. Don't tell me you don't think that way. That's flesh. You have to work against that in your life to think the right way, which is how can it be a blessing to somebody else? All right? And so, and so why do you think social media is taking off like it is? Because the flesh thinks the way the flesh thinks. All right? So, so Absalom basically has a mindset of the world owes me something, dad owes me something, kingdom owes me something, and he's a great picture of our old nature. Well, what does Absalom do? Well, when his brother does something that's wicked and ungodly, rather than going to the king... Are you listening? Rather than going to the king with the right attitude out of faith that dad is going to do the right thing because he is the authority, like your heavenly father, 
he takes matters into his own hands and he kills his brother. You say, what does that remind you of Cain and Abel, who was of that wicked one? Do you realize your flesh is not born of God? That's why 1 John says, he that is born of God cannot commit sin. Well, I commit sin every day, and I'm spiritually born of God, but my flesh isn't born of God. And so you know what Absalom is? Absalom's a great picture of the old nature. He goes, well, if dad's not going to take care of it, then I will. You ever find yourself looking at a situation, you go, well, that's not right, and instead of praying about it and asking God to do something about it, you just jump in there and go, I'll fix it. And then years later, and after messes have been made and disasters have been made and relationships torn apart, you go, maybe I shouldn't have. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't have. And that's Absalom. And so Absalom finds that he, he knows how to get what he wants. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm not going to read all the references. I'm trying to just narrate some of this to you. Absalom eventually uh, gets in trouble, and, and he gets in trouble with his dad because of what happens with his brother. He runs away, and eventually Joab convinces David to get him back, and, and Absalom comes back. But because... Absalom moved back home near daddy's house and daddy hadn't taken time to see him. You know what Absalom does? He burns a guy's field down. You say, why? Because he wants to get his attention. You say, why? Because Absalom gets what Absalom wants. Well, eventually he realizes, well, if dad's not going to push back against my rebellion, then I'm just going to keep going. And Absalom takes the kingdom from his father. You say, how does he do it? By flattery. He says, uh, I know no one here, really, the king doesn't really love you. He's too busy. He's got stuff going on. He's gone somewhere. I can help you. I can take care of you. And he steals the kingdom by flattery. You know what he goes on to do? He takes all of David's wives and concubines, and you've read the story. He makes a big show out of that whole thing. And God never forgets that. It's a terrible thing that he does. He ba- you know what he does? He basically says, there's no way my dad's going to recover after this. I've got this. This is mine now. You know what he is? He's a picture of self-will. I'll do what I want. No one's going to stop me. That's unrestrained flesh, guys. That's why the Bible says, use not your liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Well, eventually what ends up happening is God, because David was not like Saul and he wasn't like Absalom, David was humble and David was meek and he said this, if God wants me to come back, he'll bring me back. He took the opposite approach of Saul. You know what Saul does? You better respect me because of my position. If you don't respect me, then off with your head. That's Saul. And David says, well, if you don't want to follow, that's your business between you and God. If anyone wants help, come with me. Let's go do something great for God. And, and people wanted to follow David, and they did. Well, you know what happens with Absalom? What ends up happening with Absalom? Hey, buddy, good to have you. What ends up happening with Absalom is Absalom basically says, uh, you know what? I'll take the kingdom for myself. So you know what he does? He goes off and eventually has to fight David, his own dad. You know what David says? Because he loves his son so much. It's just a great picture of God the Father. And even when we do stupid things, he's trying to look out for us. Here's what he says. He says, all right, Joab, if you find my son, don't lay a finger on him. Let me deal with it. By the way, if you ever have one of God's kids getting out of line, maybe just get out of the way and let God deal with it. Then to try to be the one to execute judgment and vengeance yourself. So what ends up happening is this. Joab doesn't listen to David. Eventually, Joab's true colors show as well. We'll we'll talk about that tonight. But Absalom, because of his own pride and his own beauty, he gets hung up in a tree. He's got beautiful flowing locks. I mean, he's like, you know, Mr. Universe, you know? You know, all the girls like, ooh, Absalom, whoa. And that was the end of him. He gets hung up by his own beauty, his own pride. Do you know what eventually kills him? The young men come to Joab and go, we found Absalom. Well, where is he? He's hung up in a tree. Well, why didn't you do anything? Well, didn't you hear the words of the king? He said not to touch him. It, it's his son. You let him deal with him. 
And Joab says, how long am I going to be with you guys? Bunch of pansies, get out of the way. You know what Joab does? Look at 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 18. 2 Samuel chapter 18. And young ladies, if I can say anything to you, uh, his looks... <laughs> we already got to preach from the sister section. His looks will eventually go away. Okay? Um, his looks won't last forever. And if he's that in love with himself, he won't have enough room for you. Right. And, and eventually what, what ruins Absalom is the very thing that he thought made him great. Himself. You know what ruins us? Us. And, and Absalom gets in a place, listen to me, where he's completely exposed to the enemy. And he's hung up in a tree, caught by his hair. Talk about how humiliating that would have been. You know what he could have said? Hey, guys, someone cut my hair. Let me down. You know anything got in the way of that? But it looks so good. <laughs> I do. You know, get, you know what keeps you from getting the help you need? Your stinking pride. And you'd rather, you'd rather hang in a tree than let someone come and cut your hair off, which is what you need. You need some things cut out of your life. And you'd rather just, no, but what if, what if I can get down? I've always gotten out of it before. I'll get out of it this time. Sometimes you don't get out of it. And he's hanging there, and he's vulnerable, and he has nowhere to go. He's got, listen to me. He's got no shield. Second Samuel chapter 18 Look, if you would, at verse number 14. Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand. You say, why three? I can't prove it, but I think it's a great picture of what the devil wants in your life. He wants to attack every part of you, your body, soul, and spirit. Well, he can't attack my soul. Yeah, but let me ask you a question. You, you get a hold of this for a moment. Imagine a being that knows he's going to lose in the end anyways, and he's going to do everything he can to fight all the way to the end. Well, my soul is untouchable. You're right, 100% according to the Bible. Doesn't mean he won't try. You say, what is that? That's just the devil. He takes those three darts in his hand, and look what it says. He thrusts them through where? That's what he's after. Now, you know what happens? Eventually, that young man gets cut out of that tree. He gets, he's falling down. Now, listen, when he gets brought down to that tree, he's got no fight in him. If someone had just cut his hair off, he could have been dropped down. He would have had his sword. He could have gone fist to cuff with the guys. But he's just been attacked in a very vulnerable place. And he had no protection. And he had no shield. So when he's dropped out of that tree, you know what they do? They just cut him to pieces. Now, you, you say, well, I'm not Absalom. Let me just say right now, all of us have some Absalom in us. We all struggle with this stuff. And if you're not careful, you'll get to a place where you get high and lifted up, and the only thing that's going to get you down is getting shot in the heart. <laughs> you know, listen, you know what's a whole lot better to do? Let the Lord correct you rather than fall into a situation like that. Amen. David, as messed up as he got in certain places of his life, you know what David had enough sense to do? He said, let me fall in the hands of the Lord than in the hands of men. Amen. That's some sense. Now, you say, what is this? Well, what I'm trying to get at is this. When you are completely vulnerable and unprotected, you are leading yourself open. Listen, it's not, it's not one event. It's the, the death of a thousand blows that gets a lot of Christians, that gets them out of church, that gets them out of their Bible. 
that gets them out of, of witnessing for Jesus Christ, that gets them out of any kind of eternal vision, that gets them out of caring about missions, that gets them out of witnessing, that gets them out of helping out another Christian, that gets them out of doing anything within the body of Christ, anything within their local church, that gets them out of even starting, uh, even uh, ever, ever uh, getting the, to the race. I think some Christians never even show up, let alone finish, because you, you quit before you start. Why? Because you allow yourself to be exposed. And the Lord's saying, you need to have a shield. Listen, the intention of those darts, you know what they are? To render you crippled, to knock you down. Look, I, hate, I know some of you don't like football. Uh, Steon, I wish I understood rugby or cricket or whatever they do in South Africa or whatever all that stuff is. I wish I understood that stuff better. I don't. Maybe someday you can teach me. But in football, when they come off the line, you know what a cornerback will do? All right, let me, let Lenny, come here, Lenny, come here. All right. Now, look, don't, don't run me over. I'm an old man, okay? All right, all right. Just don't do me like you did a couple months ago, all right? Come here. Come here, come here, come here. So let, let's say you're, you're, you're a wide receiver, all right? All right, no, I'll, I'll be the wide receiver. You be the corner, no, you know what? You be the wide receiver, okay? All right, and I'm the cornerback, all right? So you're coming off the line, all right? Oh, honey, you say hut. That was weak. Come on, man. It was like, like, blue, oh, 42, Omaha, something. All right, now, now right here, right, right off the line. After five yards, I can't do anything to him. But right off that line, you know what I want to do? I just want to just, just get him out of... I want to keep doing it right now. You know what I want to do? I want to get him off balance, and I want to get him out of rhythm. If I can get him off balance and out of rhythm, you know, right, off, right away, he, it's like, where do I go? I ha- he had this idea of where his route was supposed to la- land him. But if I can get in the way and, and knock him off of that, you know what? That, that is what the devil wants. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And thanks for not running me over, okay? <laughs> That's what the devil wants. To, listen, those darts are intended to get you out of balance and to get you out of rhythm. And you have your Bible reading every morning, and the devil goes, not today. Nope. Let's, let's, let's see who's on Instagram. Let's catch up on some reels. Yeah. Let's see what cats are doing these days. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, uh, you're, you're going, you know what, Lord? I want to be intentional about the language that I use. I want my language to edify and to be a witnessing tool for Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself going, you know what I heard? I don't know about, uh, I heard this thing. I'm not sure if it's true. I'm not really, and again, like, like was said recently, uh, Baptists and Christians, uh, we don't gossip. We just give really juicy prayer requests. Okay. All right. Listen, you know what that is? Uh, gentlemen, you're, you're guarding your eyes and all of a sudden something catches your attention and you start thinking about it. Dart. Dart. Uh, listen, someone says something at church, they didn't mean anything by it. They don't know what you're going through. You had a bad day, you come to church, someone says something, they didn't mean, listen, I, I've literally lived through this. You know, where it's like, hey man, good to see you. Well, it's not like I've been gone for a month. Okay, bad to see you. <laughs> but you understand, when you're not in the right frame of mind, man, just, someone can say something, it's just boom. And if you're not careful, man, you're out. You know what the devil wants to do? He wants to get you out of balance. He wants to get you out of rhythm. He wants to get you a place where just it cripples you. It stops you. And you know what eventually it'll do? It'll cause you to bleed out. How about darts of doubt? Did God really say that? If thou be the Son of God, come down from that cross. Uh, if thou be the Son of God, you know, cast thyself down. If thou be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Just make you doubt what God. The first time the devil shows up to mankind is to get him to doubt what God says. That's his role in your life. You know what that shield will do? Yeah, I know. I feel this way, but God says. 
Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, listen, let me just say this right now. Uh, the Lord uh, intends to sow the good seed of the word of God in your life. And you know what happens over there in Matthew 13? There's that parable about the, the word going out like a, like a seed. And it goes out and it falls by the wayside and the birds come up and snatch it up. And listen, that's, that's what it's like to come to church and your mind be somewhere completely different. You're on planet, you know, Pluto or whatever. Is it a planet anymore? I don't remember. Is, is Pluto... I don't know, they, they, they think these are planets. And then, By the way, I'm old enough to remember plastic bags are going to save us from the end of the world. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you have no idea. Paper bags are killing the trees. We've got to go, pla- 1980s, I was there, all right? The scientists are telling us plastic's going to save the universe. Now they're saying you can't get them at the grocery store because you want all the manatees dead, Right? Listen, listen, what I'm getting at is this, as it relates to your Christian life, there are things that you look at a certain way and you go, this is what it is, and you realize it's not what you thought it was. You know what's going to keep you on the straight and narrow? You know what's going to keep you in the right frame of mind? What does God say? That, that seed is cast out and it goes by the wayside and that, those fowls come and they snatch it up. And, and then there's a seed that goes out into the, the, the stony ground. And the stony ground is, is those that say, oh man, church is great and the Bible is great and it's so wonderful, but man, it's all so hard and I'm done. You see, what is that? They got darts. They let themselves vulnerable. Then there's those that, the, the seed goes out in the thorny ground, and that thorny ground is like the cares of this life just choking everything up. You see, what is that? The, the darts of the devil coming at you, just the cares of this life, where the word of God cannot even penetrate your mind, and it renders it useless. Why? You got nothing shielding you from everything out there. You got nothing shielding you from those darts. You know how many times the Lord says to Joshua, be strong and of good courage. You know why he tells them that? Because by nature, we're fearful. What about tomorrow? What about this? What's going to happen here? What about the, I'm not sure. You know what God says? Jesus says, take no thought for tomorrow. Do, do, do you realize that when you are worried about tomorrow, you're neglecting to live today, what God wants for your life? You're, you're, you're literally giving away for free. You're giving the devil your life. You're giving doubt and fear your life rather than allowing God to work. Why? Because you don't have that shield up. Listen, it is not so much a matter of, oh, listen, I believe it, therefore it is. It is what does God say? And if God says don't worry about tomorrow, don't worry about tomorrow. Exactly. Like Brother Sean said, we'll get the building when God wants us to get one. Listen, don't worry about what if the bank comes back and says, oh, you got to move out in a month. I don't know. Maybe God will find us a better place in a month. I have no idea. It's not my job to worry about it. You say, why? Because God promised me certain things. And he told me, don't do that. You say, what? Whenever I neglect to listen to what God says, I move myself out from under his protection, and I am vulnerable and on my own. And my shield is gone. That shield of faith matters to God. And it matters to your Christian life. Paul mentions it here for a reason. Let me say this about that shield. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. The author of our faith is the one that gives us that shield. Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Some of you know the verse. Some of you can quote the verse. And I'm thankful for that. But some of you have never read it. So let's look at it all together. Hebrews chapter 12. Look, if you would, at verse number one. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin with us so easily beset us. Uh, weights are not always the same as sins. Uh, some weights are just the cares of this life. 
Uh, some weights are you doubting, and some, you, some weights are just fear and doubt, and the things are just gnawing at you. They're not in and of themselves sinful, but they can become a weight that holds you back. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto who? Not the Republican Party, not the Democratic Party, not President Trump, not President Biden, none of that stuff. It's looking unto Jesus. <laughs> It is a spiritual battle, not a physical or political one you're involved in. Looking unto Jesus, the what? And what? You know what I love about Jesus Christ? He finishes what he starts. Uh, imagine walking up to a project. Listen, any, any minute here, you've probably done, done did this before. You've probably gotten in trouble before because your wife asked you to do something. You go, okay, yeah, yeah. And you start doing it, and then you don't finish that project. Don't raise your hand. We won't have an altar call, Okay. But I know some of you guys have done this before. Anyone that's married has done this at some point as a guy. Where you go, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And you start a project, and a month later, it's still not done. Stop. Wives are looking at their husbands right now. Don't do that. You're giving it away. All right? And, and so the idea is this. I'm glad Jesus Christ, listen, you know what he did? He's a carpenter. You know what he built? He built a bridge to heaven. And he left no gaps in it. He made it just perfect so I can get there. Aren't you glad he finishes what he starts? But listen, he's the author, he's, he's the writer, he's the beginner. It all, all of it, the source of our faith stems from him. So can I ask you a question? When you doubt God, do you understand what you're doing? You are doubting the person of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you allow the, the devil to throw those darts of doubt in your mind and at your heart, you know what you're doing? You're saying, yeah, devil, you're right, God's wrong. You ever feel like, I'm not worthy, I can't do this, God did, I don't know what I'm doing, I shouldn't be here, I'm no good. Listen, I, I understand, like, like, we don't want to be proud, and we don't want to think we're the best thing, and, and all that, but if God's asking you to do something, don't sit there for the next six months and go, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. Listen, the Lord knows you're not worthy. You're worthy because of Him, though. And, and walk in faith and follow Him, whether you think you can do it or not. Why? Because that's what He's asking you to do. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Can I say this? Uh, the acquisition of our faith is, comes from the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Can I say this, though? It's one thing to say you believe something. It's another thing to live it out. I don't want to get into doctrinal dissertation tonight. You know what it says in James? Faith without works is dead. It's... I, listen, let me just get this out of the way right now. That passage is not a passage to discuss New Testament individual salvation for the body of Christ, okay? That aside, from a practical standpoint, you can say you believe a lot of things about God that you've heard at church. It's nothing to believe those things. It's nothing to live them out. You know what I'll tell you right now? The most powerful testimony is from someone that takes whatever God's given them in faith and they put it to work. You know what the worst testimony is? Someone that knows a bunch of Bible and does nothing with it. You know what God says? Okay, are you going to trust me during this time of trial? Are you going to trust me with your kids? Can you trust me in the marriage? Can you trust me through the divorce? Can you trust me when you're rich? Can you trust me through the bankruptcy? Can you trust me? You say, what is that? That's faith. Because God doesn't change in any of those circumstances. He's still God. But we as Christians, it's very easy to go, well, the circumstances dictate that I think of it this way. No, the circumstances mean nothing in the, in the, the grand scheme of things. What matters is, can you be a little bit like, like going through the story like Job and go, man, I want to come out on the other side like gold. He says the trying of your faith is like that. It's like that of precious gold. And it says over there in the book of James to add to your faith. How do you add to something if you don't have it? I read this. 
A man lives by believing something, not by debating and arguing about many things. That's what a lot of Bible believers live these days. Let me tell you about the doctrine I believe in. Let me tell you why you're wrong. Well, that, that's all good and fine, but, but listen, that's not how you live your life. You don't live your life arguing with people all the time. You live your life by actually doing something. What is God asking you to do? He tells uh, uh, Peter, says, Lord, is it you? Now, I think this is the funniest story over there where Peter gets out of the boat. Lord, if it's, if it's, if it's, the, if it's the Lord, bid me to come to thee on the water. Now, let me ask you a question. How does he know it's the Lord? All I've got is this. He knows that voice. He knows that voice so well that when the Lord says, it's me, Pete goes, okay, here we go. Now, look, you can make fun of Peter because he fell, right? And you can kind of go, well, you know, he did fall. You know, if I was there, I would have made it the whole way. Maybe, maybe not. The Bible says when he saw the winds and waves boisterous, he, he fell, he succumbed. But I'll say this, he represents 50% of all human beings that ever walked on water. He at least had enough faith to get out of the boat. Christian, I don't know what God's dealing with you in your life about, but I'm going to tell you this right now, it's going to involve faith. If you ever get to a place in your Christian life where there's no faith needing to be applied, something's wrong. And I can tell you this, it's not on God's part. If you're a child of God, he's always wanting to get you to, listen, we've got some people here that have, well, I don't want to pick on Joe, but Joe moved here, didn't know anyone but me, and barely really even knew me. And, and I can tell you, there were probably some Sundays he comes here and goes, I don't know about this place. <laughs> uh, but he stepped out on faith. I'm glad you did. Uh, li- listen, there's others like that. The, the idea is this, that when God calls you to do something, you can sit there for the rest of your life and try to figure out all the angles. Or you can just go, well, God says it, so I'll, I'll believe it. There's nothing like your kids believing in you. And if you're not a parent yet, it's gonna be, it's, when you get there, it's awesome. When they look at you and go, you can do it. And I'm like thinking to myself, no, I can't. <laughs> you know, my boys think I can lift anything. Yeah, dad can lift it. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> boys, turn around. <laughs> you know, but it, it makes you feel kind of like, man, they, they believe in me. Now you have a being that's never sinned and never done wrong and never let anyone down and never broken his word. You know what you ought to do? You ought to believe him. Hey, you, know, you know what it's going to take? It's going to take taking that shield of faith and saying, you know what, regardless of how I feel, mm, regardless of what the world says, mm, regardless of what the devil's throwing at, regardless of the circumstances of life, God, I believe you. Can I give you this kind of just an interesting thought? When, the de- when David goes to, to, to fight Goliath, I didn't notice this. Maybe you have. Maybe you've read this and picked it up. I didn't until just this week. When David goes to, to fight Goliath, the Bible says, I always wonder, like, why, why does he not, why, why the sling, right? Why that? Now, you can make the argument that God used David, uh, God prepared David for that moment. I see that. And he taught him, you know, how to kill a lion and a bear with a slingshot. I can see all that. But, but, but in that moment, I always thought, why a slingshot? Like, why that? You know what the Bible says? He had an armor bearer. And that armor bearer ran before, not David, Goliath. And that armor bearer ran before Goliath. So David couldn't have just come at him with a sword. You know what David had to do? He had to throw a projectile from far away. Now think about this. The guy that has the shield for Goliath is way out in front of him. Can I ask you a question? When a projectile is coming at you at high velocity, what's that shield going to do way over there? Nothing. 
Christian, let me say this. That shield of faith does not need to be something that you have 50 yards in front of you. You need to keep it real close. Because when those things fly, they come fast and they come quick. And those unexpected situations that come on Monday morning, <laughs> we've all had them. And you go, well, either it's going to knock me out or I'm going to raise up my shield and say, Lord, not today. By your grace. You say, what is that? That's a choice you make, though. Do you realize when those things come your way, you can either be a victim or a victor? You understand, you've got to get out of this victim mentality that like, well, this, this happened to me and this. Stuff happens to everybody all the time. Everyone's got issues. Everyone's got problems. Everyone's got setbacks and, 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 and shortcomings and areas of their life that they wish were better and easier, but they're not. That's reality. <laughs> and you as a Christian have got to say, you know what? This is my lot in life. The best thing I can do right now is learn to fight back. And I'm not going to do that physically. You know, I'm going to do it through faith. By believing God. I'll close with this thought over in Kings. Look at 1 Kings chapter 14. And as you turn, let me remind you, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't do it. And by the way, the reason you exist and you breathe and the blood pumps through your heart and the, all the, everything's functioning, all that, the reason your lungs keep going without even thinking about it. It's just natural. You say, why is that? Because God has you here for a purpose. You know what that purpose is? To please Him. Listen to me carefully. The purpose of the Christian life and existence is not for your pleasure. It's for His. And as such, if you're going to please someone, you got to learn something about them. Listen, I've learned some things. My wife is not pleased with documentaries. I know, right? Who doesn't want to learn about the world's worst roads in Papua New Guinea? I mean, everyone does, I thought. She's like, what is this? I'm sorry, baby. Let's get back to Hallmark. Amen. You, you got to kind of, I know, I know, right? Ew, right? You say that right now. Wait till there's a ring on the finger, son. Okay. Pray for Johnny. All right. But, but under, understand this. You need to learn about the person you're trying to please. Well, you know what pleases God? Faith. Amen. Faith. Faith pleases God. In 1 Kings chapter 14, there's a story about a king named Rehoboam. And he's the son of Solomon, the wisest king that ever lived. And Rehoboam made a mess of things because he didn't, he didn't listen to the elders' counsel. He kind of came up with his own ideas and his peers kind of gave him the feedback and he went online, and, and uh, everyone gave him the, the, the uh, feedback he wanted from the online survey he put out, and so he went in the wrong direction. And it cost him. Look at verse 25 of that chapter. And it came to pass in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, so this is five years into his reign, that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem, and he took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He, took even, he even took away all. And he took away all the... By the way, when you disobey God, you open yourself up to attack. And that's what he's doing, all right? And he took away all, and he, watch this, he took away all the shields of gold which Solomon had made. And King Rehoboam made in their stead brazen shields. Now, there's a, there's a lot of ways to preach this passage. I'm just going to take one way, and I'm going to say it this way. From far away, gold and brass look the same. Ladies, from far away, a cubic zirconia and a diamond look the same. But up close, they're not. 
One has intrinsically more value due to its being precious and the other one not as much. You know, the Bible likens your faith being tried to to that of precious gold. I'm convinced that many believers today are content with brass. They're content with it looking okay on the outside from far away. And God wants to go deeper with you and closer with you. And as he does, he's going to inspect the armor. My dad was in the army for 25 years. And I remember my dad talking about inspection. Boy, they check everything. Boots polished, you know, the way everything's on, the, the metal, everything. They check it all. There's a dress code. They look through all, all of that. You know, let me tell you this, guys. One day, our captain of our salvation is going to call us home. And inspection day's up there. You know it'd be good to learn to do right now? Don't sell out. Don't be content with brass when you could have gold. Amen. Now, I'm not trying to be funny, but for those that may be proposing in the next year or 20, <laughs> whoever that may be, if you were to go to your potential future wife and say, honey, would you like a cubic or if I could afford both, right? Would you like a cubic or would you like a diamond? Thinking she probably would say diamond. And as Miss Lori just eloquently said, just don't even ask. Okay? <laughs> Why? This one's more valuable. And it reflects what I think of you. What do you think of God? Is brass good enough? You know, brass is in the Bible, it's a picture of judgment. Gold's a picture of your faith. Don't let go of the gold for the brass. Let's all stand. Father, we come to you tonight and thank you for the opportunity to, to learn your word. Gentlemen, if you can move this out of the way, thank you. Lord, thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to get into it. Lord, to, to study this stuff out. And Lord, as you told Abraham, you told him that you were his shield. I am thy shield. First time the word shield shows up in the Bible. Well, we're not just talking about an element of the Christian life, we're talking about you. Lord, you are our shield. Lord, you are what separates us from spiritual success, spiritual failure, Lord, us putting you on. Lord, I pray that every believer in here tonight would get a hold of that. Lord, I pray that tonight would be a challenge, Lord, maybe a reminder of some simple truths in our lives, Lord, that we know and we just let fall the wayside at times. And Lord, I do pray if anyone's watching online or otherwise, Lord, that doesn't know you as your Savior, they'd understand Lord, they can't even start this whole spiritual battle thing. Can't, none of that even matters until they apply their faith in what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross. Lord, I, I pray for that. And Lord, I pray for every believer in here tonight. Lord, some of them are facing some real trials and their faith is being tried. Would you encourage them? If the Lord's dealt with you, I pray you'd respond. The altar is open. It's a midweek Bible study, but if the Lord dealt with you, we want you to take advantage of it. Keep that shield close to your heart. Don't keep it way out in some abstract distance from you. The Bible says to hold on, hold on to the form of sound words. Hold on. You got to hold on to your faith. Can I say this? Nobody else can do that for you. 
No one else can get you to give it up. That's a choice. Maybe you're struggling tonight. Maybe you're in some ways feeling at times in over your head. Maybe doubt's getting the best of you. Faith. You need to learn about Moses and Abraham and Noah, all these great men. Deborah in the Old Testament, some great women of faith, by the way, not just men. You need to learn about those people. They were flawed. Man, let's be honest tonight. We are flawed. We are all broken. We are not to, to the measure of Jesus Christ. You know what God will do? He'll take flawed people who are willing to apply their faith. And he won't just support them. He'll give them victory. The Bible says over there in 1 John, faith is the victory that overcometh the world. You don't overcome the world through physical means. It's spiritual. You understand this, that without faith it's impossible to please Him, Him being God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And as you get closer to the Lord, understand this, and this is a weird concept, especially for newer believers to get a hold of. As you get closer to the Lord, understand spiritual attacks will sometimes intensify. You say, Why? Because as you get closer to the, God, uh, to, to the Lord, what, what the devil wants to do is he wants to interrupt that fellowship. He wants to interrupt that growth. and that, He wants to get you off of balance and get you out of rhythm in your walk with God. You know what you need? You need your shield. Your heart's vulnerable. You know the Bible says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Then it, it asks this question, who can know it? Who can know it? The answer is implied that only God knows that heart. Right? So God goes, I know your heart. It's like the old song, you know, it talks about, uh, I think it's uh, near my God to thee or be thou my vision. I think that's what it is. It talks about the wandering prone to wander lord i feel it prone to leave the guy i love whatever song that is you say what is that that's the heart the only way to stay safe you don't you don't stay safe by sitting out god's calling us to to fight for the souls of men and women for the advancement of his of his glorious gospel it's worth fighting for there's things we fight about that are not worth fighting for this is worth fighting for but the only way to do it right, the only way to, to start it and as Jesus Christ finish it is through faith. Do you realize that Jesus Christ hung on the cross through eyes of faith, he saw you as they were shouting at him, as the blood's pouring down, as the fluid is filling in his lungs. 
as those wounds on his back are rubbing into that wood, you know what he saw? He saw you. Now listen, think about this. The devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, as Luke says, in a moment of time. I think God could have given him a moment of time where he saw you, but it would have been through faith. And he saw you, Tony. And he saw you, Miss Cindy. He saw you, Felix. He saw you, Sean. He saw you, Brother Mark. He saw you, John and Laura. He saw Miss Anita. He goes through the room. God saw every one of your lies, all the times you would have failed him. And yet, you know what he saw? He saw the end of it. He saw that someday you're going to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ in perfect fellowship with him. He said, yep, it's worth it. But he had to do it through faith. Mm. Don't always do altar call on Wednesday nights. I understand it's midweek Bible study, but sometimes it's called for. Tonight was one of those times. Let's... Close in a word of prayer. We hope we can make it back Sunday. Uh, Sunday for Sunday school at 10 o'clock. And then Sunday morning service at 11. And uh, look forward to being together again. Um, love you guys. Thankful for my church. It is good to be home. Pray you got some out of the word of God tonight. And I'm going to encourage you to, to put that shield up. And uh, go out in this world and make a difference for Jesus Christ. All right? Let's close in a word of prayer. And don't forget, uh, on your way out, maybe grab some tracks. Maybe grab some of those candlelight service invites. Start working that now. Uh, I'm working on some people at work. I'm going to hit them from one angle. Steon's going to hit them from another. All right? Steon's threatening that they may lose their employment. I'm just kidding. You can't do that. Can't do that. We can't do that. We can't do that. Steon's like, if you didn't tell me I couldn't do it, I would do it. I know you would. Uh, but uh, let's close out in a word of prayer. Brother Steon, would you, would you do that for us, sir?